Good morning. Good, good snowy morning. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. By the way, I'm Nate. I'm pastor of assimilation here at Harvest. In case you haven't met me, hi, Nate. <laughs> this is a good crowd this morning. I'm excited. So, happy new year. Uh, I love New Year's. Um, it's to me every year. It's kind of like it's kind of like a fresh slate. Uh, it's like it's it's like hey, let's start this. You know, a lot of people are down on the New Year's resolutions. Like uh, I, I think they're cool because it's it's just like this this time where you can like you're just like just some tuning, just some refocusing. And I think it's so cool that today on the the blizzard of fourteen, uh, we get to come in here. And, and just start the year off in the word of God. And uh, I just love that. So um, Amy and I were talking the other day. Uh, it's, it's interesting too how every January 1st we lay there. Most of the time at about 11 because I'm usually out by 11.15. I never see the ball drop. But it's, so we're laying there and we're like, you know, hey, looking back at this last year. And we always say the same thing. And it just flew by. I don't know if that makes us old or if, or if it's, just, it's, it's just another reminder to just, to, just to be every day seizing it for the Lord. And uh, I, just, I love that. So uh, look in your Bibles here. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7 and uh, verse 11. We're going to talk about Jesus encounters the hurting. Father, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for the snow. We thank you that you are sovereign, you are on the throne, you are in control, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come here and to open your word together. And I ask that this morning you would convict us, that you would speak, that you would change us. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 7, look at verse 11. It says this, Soon afterward... Uh, stop for a second. Soon afterward, soon afterward, what? Well, soon after uh, Jesus here is coming off the Sermon of the Mount, at the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and he's also coming off the healing of the centurion's servant, and he's saying soon afterward. I don't know how long afterward, but it's soon afterward. So soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Okay, a little background here. So where's Nain? Nain is pretty much nowhere. Uh, it's like six miles southeast of Nazareth. It's just kind of a little town along the way. It's not mentioned anywhere else in scripture. A uh, modern name has like 1,500 people, okay? So this is like the Amo of Jesus' time, okay? This is, this is small town, all right? Just kind of a town along the way. And it says, and his disciples are with him. And a great crowd. So a great crowd of people has come along with him. Maybe people who have seen Jesus perform miracles and they're following him. Maybe uh, some people left over from the, the Sermon on the Mount and they're kind of going with him. So here's this great crowd of people with Jesus and they're walking along the road and they come to Nain, Amo. Verse 12 says, And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, so take note, see a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So here's, here's what's going on here. So we have this crowd with Jesus going down the road, and they're about to encounter this other crowd. So two very distinct crowds. So they're coming up to Nain, and out comes this crowd, this morning crowd. 
a sad, loud weeping, okay? Maybe, maybe even the whole town at that time is coming in this crowd. And then here's, here's Jesus' crowd and they're meeting. And in the middle of them, maybe even leading them, is this woman who is hurting. Uh, who's hurting probably like she's never hurt before. Um, we know she's a widow, so she's already buried her husband And we know that today she's lost her only son and all the implications that come along with that. First, A, just being her son. Second, this would have been uh, the carrying on of the family name. This would have been uh, who was taking care of her now in the absence of her husband. Okay, This this is a bad day. This woman is wrecked. And this is who Jesus encounters. Coming out of name. Let's go on. It says, verse 13, it says, And when Jesus saw her, love that. When Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Now, first, just imagine this. So, first of all, so you're mourning your worst day of your life, this crowd of people, and, and now this man who you probably don't even know who he is walks into your funeral procession, okay, comes up, sees you, takes note of you, comes near to you, and then says, do not weep. You're like, what? Who are you? What are you talking about? And then he came up, and he touched the buyer, buyer being like a, it was an open, a stretcher type of a, of a casket that would be carried out, um, with her son on it and touched the buyer and the bear stood still. I love the, the gentle authority there. Like, see Jesus saying, hey, do not weep. And then walking over and just that, just the touch of the Almighty on that open casket. And they just stand still. What a picture. And he came up and he touched the buyer and the bear stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And this is cool too because throughout the New Testament, when you see Jesus performing miracles, a lot of times he adds stuff in to teach. So he, he'll say, you know, hey, cover your eyes in this. Take, take a bath here, you know, do this, do that for teaching moments. But when he raises people from the dead, which we don't have many accounts of, three, Okay, of raising people from the dead. He uses his words, okay? Beautiful picture of him saying, by my word is life and death. By my word. And I just love that picture of Jesus speaking to this young man in death and the, the, the voice of the Lord echoing through the halls of death and saying, come on out, come back to life. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise And the dead man sat up and he began to speak. And then in another act of compassion, it says, And Jesus gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. Jesus encounters the hurting. Now, one thing as we start today, this account in scripture is talking specifically about a woman here 
who is hurting due to a death, due to a loss, all right? But don't think that this is the only form of hurting, okay? Don't think hurting takes many shapes, and it comes in many different forms. It comes in forms of, of pain and loneliness and heartache, sorrow and failure and rejection and loss and depression, okay? Many of these, this woman is experiencing on this day. But as we talk today, let's, let's think of hurting broadly in the many different ways that, that people are hurting. So we're going to talk quickly about four keys to caring for hurting people as the example that Jesus gave us here of how he cared for hurting people. Number one is see hurting people everywhere. We must see hurting people everywhere. Remember, Nain is nowhere special. It's just another town along the road. There are all kinds of towns. This was just another funeral, really. I mean, Jesus wasn't at every funeral Jesus could have easily bypassed this town. He could have waited quietly until the morning people passed. Yet he didn't. He stopped and took notice. So often I think we, uh, we go looking for hurting people in, in other places. Sometimes even far away places where people are really hurting. And, and that's okay we ought to be caring for hurting people everywhere, but not at the expense of missing the hurting that are right in front of us. Uh, the other day, in, in the middle of the day, sometimes at the office, I get weird cravings. And one of my cravings is, uh, is cherry Coke, okay? Which, by the way, grenadine added to Coke is no cherry Coke, okay? It's, it, it, Coca-Cola has spent years perfecting their formula, all right? Let's let's. Let's rely on it. And, uh, and I love Cherry Coke. And there's a couple gas stations near the office that I can go to and get Cherry Coke. And uh, one specifically I went to the other day is one of the small ones where it's mostly outside and you go inside and there's not much in there. There's a, there's a register and the person behind the register, lots of cigarettes and, and Cherry Coke. And uh, so I, I go, I get my Cherry Coke and the lady is one of the usual ladies that's working there and she's kind enough to say, hey, uh, this is buy one, get one free. So I'm excited. And so I go get the other one come up. And as she's, as she's kind of ringing it up on the cash register and, uh, and doing things, I notice uh, uh, she's been crying. And her fa- I mean, it's the obvious. Her face is just kind of swollen and she's got tears in her eyes and she's flush. And um, so cop instinct kicks in. And I'm like, is the place being held up? And uh, I'm looking around. I'm like, no, they're not holding it up. And it's like, okay, okay. So she gives me, you know, says, thank you. And I, I take my cherry Cokes and I leave. I just, I just leave. I walk away. I didn't stop. Say, is there something wrong? <laughs> Do you need to talk? Uh, pray with her? Honestly, I didn't even care. I, I was on a mission. Hurting people are everywhere. They're at Walmart. They're in Starbucks sitting beside you and you're listening to their conversation. I know you are because the tables are really close. Uh, they're everywhere. They, they may be in your own family. Is there someone in your family that's hurting and maybe you haven't even realized it? Because you're just maybe too busy 
Maybe they're sitting next to you today in church. Hurting people are everywhere. Verse 13 is so cool because it says, and when the Lord saw her, he took note of her. He saw her hurt. He saw her pain and his suffering. And he looked into that. I uh, heard a stat the other day that uh, it said in America, every 50 seconds, someone attempts suicide. Every 13 minutes in the United States, someone successfully commits suicide. That's so sad. And to think that many of those numbers that represent people were people that for years were hurting and depressed and lonely, many times working right beside us. We must stop and open our eyes and see hurting people and pray that God will place hurting people into our path and arrange eternal encounters with them for his glory. First way to care for hurting people is we must see hurting people everywhere. Second is we must have compassion for hurting people. We must have compassion for hurting people. Uh, Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Compassion, you know, I like definitions. Compassion is deep sympathy or loving concern for others in their suffering. It's from deep inside. This word here has, has the meaning that it includes your, your organs. So like your heart and your liver and your lungs, okay? It's, just, it's deep. It's to be full, all right? It's, 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 a, it's a physical emotion. Uh, John Frame uh, defines compassion as a sympathy to another's distress motivating helpful action a sympathy to another's distress that motivates helpful action someone else described it as experiencing your pain in my heart deep physical emotion not pity but in a sense it's it's entering in to someone's hurt with them uh, romans twelve fifteen says rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep compassion is the is the so often skipped step i think and caring for hurting people. So many of us are, are fixers. Don't raise your hand. Raise your hand inside and say, I'm a fixer. Okay, I, I, You know if you're a fixer because on the way in this morning you were fixing. You're like, why aren't the plows out yet? They should be out quicker. Dump salt here. Okay, You're, you're fixing sermon notes right now. You're like, yeah, it should be like this. Okay, We're fixers. God's, God's wired us that way. And, uh, and, and some of us, we just, we just jump too soon to fixing and to truth. And, and we see someone that's hurting and we're like, they need fixed. So here's a book. Here's another book. Here's 10 scripture passages. Let's pray. Are you fixed yet? And, and sometimes us, us fixers just need to slow down and remember this important step of compassion. Uh, my oldest daughter, Kami, um, she's kind of our emotional one. And uh, she came out. The other day and she's just bawling i mean like the good bawling like the i'm six years old going on 16 you know type of bawling and she's even got the dry heaves and she's i mean just sobbing and i'm like you know what's wrong and she's like corbin my little boy went through and pulled all the heads off of all my dolls <laughs> 
And immediately my reaction is, is like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously, this is why we're crying. And I'm like, all right, it's time to be a parent. And I want tough kids. So suck it up. We don't cry over doll heads, okay? This is, this is not important enough to cry. I'll give you something to cry about, you know? And, it's, so, and, and all this, and then so she goes off, and I'm like, head hell high, you know? Like, that was parenting. And I look over, and Amy's sitting on the couch looking at me. And I don't know if she said this or if her eyes spoke it into my soul. But she, it, it, she's, like, she's like, seriously? Like, really, that's how you reacted? Like, no, that's not cool. Like, it, she just needed you to listen. That's it. She just needed you for a minute to not fix her and correct something and point her towards being tougher. She just needed you to listen. There's a time for truth. We're just usually too quick to get there. And we need to remember that Truth is always married to compassion and love. They work together. And sometimes as fixers, we just need to be quiet. Give a hug. Put an arm around someone. Sit with them. Cry with them. Pray with them. Let them beat on your chest if they need to. And maybe even say nothing. We must have compassion for hurting people. Third, We must give hope to hurting people. We must give hope to hurting people. Verse 13 says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, Do not weep. Do not weep. This is an imperative. Okay, this isn't, now this isn't an imperative in this way. He's he's, he's not saying, uh, suck it up. Uh, Stop crying. Okay, this, this isn't that. This is, this isn't a rebuke for her mourning. All right? uh, hurting is a reality in this sin-cursed world, and Jesus knew that better than anyone. Instead, this is an imperative that's rooted in hope. This is a, this is a don't cry. There's hope. Don't weep. I'm here. You'll learn stuff's about to happen. Hold on. Trust me. If you're a truth person, if you're that fixer, now's your time to shine. You have compassion for someone, you've loved on them, and now it's time to speak truth into their lives. To point them to hope found only in Christ. But notice here how few words Jesus uses. Do not weep. So much in that. Sometimes a few words, a few purposed, gracious words say a lot. This is also this do not weep here. It's a perspective thing. It's it's pointing people to perspective found in Christ rather than our perspective. Uh, We, uh, I, I haven't had off many Christmases. Um, just because of the nature of my work before. And we had off Christmas Eve and Christmas, so we're trying to establish some new traditions. And uh, we saw that the Children's Museum was going to be open <laughs> Christmas Eve for four hours. And we're like, that is an amazing idea because they have a Christmas like exhibit um, 
They have a, a, a snowman slide. Like the kids would love it. So before we go to Nana and Poppy's for presents, we'll we'll go to the Children's Museum. And we decided to do that along with everyone else in Indianapolis. And uh, and we get we uh. We get down there, we go in, and we go to the second story because this slide goes from, like, the second story to the first. It's really cool. Like, I have fun doing it. And, and we get in line, and it's insane. I mean, there are so many people. I am I'm just, I'm getting claustrophobic. I'm like, we've got to get out of here. Like, I'm in survival mode, and you can just see the back of the person's head right in front of you, and I've got the kid's arms, and I'm like, Amy, hold on to my belt loop. I'm putting my head down, and we're going, you know. No man left behind. And, and so finally, I'm just like, this line is going nowhere. This is, this is pointless. I, I've got to get out of here. And so Amy's like, fine, let's go to the fourth floor and we'll ride the carousel, which wasn't much better. But we get to the fourth floor and it was really cool. We walk over to the edge and we look down and we see this. And I'm like, hmm, it doesn't look so bad from up here. Like I can actually see the, the line is moving. There's not as many people as I thought there were. Uh, oh, yeah. And Kami even remarked, she's like, hey, mom, they just look like little dolls from up here. See, it was, the perspective was totally different. And our perspective sometimes in our hurting is naturally to be very nearsighted. And we've got to point hurting people to perspective that's seen through God's eternal, sovereign, just, loving eyes. We've got to point them to the fact that he's in control. He's on the throne. And point them to scripture and hope found in Jesus Christ and his perspective and not ours. Give hope to hurting people. Fourth key to caring for hurting people is our compassion for hurting people must move us to action. Our compassion for hurting people must move us to action. Verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. And then he came up and he touched the buyer and the bear stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus' compassion always moved him to action. As you go through the New Testament, you see over and over again where it says Jesus had compassion on, Jesus had compassion for, and it always resulted in him doing something, in him acting. He didn't just sit on his hands. He didn't walk away. He, his compassion moved him to an action. Just like Frame's definition that we said earlier, it says sympathy to another's distresses, motivating, helpful action and you're like okay but his helpful action was was raising someone from the dead okay that's that's something i can't do no you can't but you can point him to the one who does you're like well, I, I just don't know what to do and i'm saying you have to do something okay whether whether it's a note or crying with someone or taking them a meal or giving them a ride or or praying with them there's so many ways that we can put compassion into action. Notice here too how Jesus' action, it just it oozes grace. I mean, the gospel is like throughout this. A, a lot of times uh, you'll see people coming to Jesus and, and begging him. They'll fall at his feet and say, you know, Lord, heal me. And there, there's none of that here. There's no request for help from this woman. 
We have no background on, on her or her son to know if they were deserving of the compassion that Jesus was about to show them. But no one deserves anything good from the Lord. Yet, he freely gives it. Unmotivated by anything other than his compassion for this woman, he stops, he takes notice, and he shows favor. I think sometimes we've got to be careful because we almost think that hurting people need to merit our help. And that's not what Jesus modeled here. He modeled grace, genuine compassion that moves us to purposeful, gracious action points hurting people to the gospel. Biblical compassion that models Christ, it it doesn't sit on its hands. Uh, Yet so often we have compassion from a distance that never results in any helpful action. I would say that compassion from a distance, it's not compassion at all. It's pity. It gets me fired up sometimes because I I witness the world taking notice of of hurting people, having compassion for hurting people, acting to help and to love and to uh, assist and love on hurting people while the church sits on its hands. As Christians, we ought to have more compassion, more love, model grace better than anyone. Because we know the first-hand compassion, hope, and grace that has been shown to us in Christ. So why do we so often have compassion from a distance that never results in action? I think several reasons. I think sometimes we just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And so we do nothing. I think sometimes we're, uh, we're scared. Scared of rejection. Scared will hurt further, kind of that when helping hurts type thing where it's like, you know, I don't know the right way to help here and I'm afraid I'll just mess things up. And so we do nothing. We're scared of a failure. We're scared we, we won't be able to fix it. Maybe social implications. I think sometimes too, I think, Sometimes we're just uh, lazy. Uh, It takes hard work to care for hurting people. It takes sacrifice of time, sometimes money and rest and leisure. And it's many times dirty, tearful, exhausting work. Um, I'll never forget, I was a... Two years ago... I got to go to uh, Haiti for the first time on one of our international Beyond Our Walls trips. Uh, Amazing, by the way. I'll never forget, first night down there, we get down there and it's, uh, we get to go to the village where we'll be serving most of the week. And and oddly enough, we get to go inoculate goats. because these children in the village, they take care of the goats and uh, it teaches them things. It's a livelihood. And, and part of that is in then going and giving injections to goats. And so we're doing that and wrangling up goats. And as we're doing it, the children of the village just uh, swarm you. Um, I mean, they're grabbing onto your legs. They're trying to touch your skin. They're, they're talking to you like you understand them. And uh, 
it, it's unbelievable experience. And you look around and you see hurting children, um, physically hurting, uh, most of them malnourished, most of them with diseases, uh, many times visible, uh, most of them also starving in their souls and starving for affection because many of them have no parents. And uh, after we left there, we go back to the house where we're staying that night. And we go into our room and we close the door because we hadn't learned yet to sleep on the roof where it's much cooler. And uh, in the room, I mean, it's like 130 degrees and it's steamy. And you feel like the walls are closing in and you can't breathe. And so I'm not sleeping. And I think back. And I realize that those few hours that I had with those children that day, the primary thing going through my head was, don't touch that one, you'll catch that. I wanted to see how quick I could get to my hand sanitizer. I remember, I remember laying awake most of the night just begging God for forgiveness. Calling out to him and thanking him that in spite of my filthiness, he reached out and touched me. That in spite of my filth, he took it upon himself. Caring for hurting people can be difficult. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But Jesus did it. Jesus does it for us. And as his followers, we are called to the same This was not meant today as a rebuke. Please do not take it that way. But instead, this was meant as a call to action. A call to us to be people who desire to be increasingly more like Christ. People that are characterized by compassion for hurting people that moves us to gracious gospel proclaiming action as we prepare to move into our new church building that God has so graciously provided us, I challenge us as a church to be praying that God would open our eyes to the many hurting and broken people that are all around us and that we would care for them as he would and that Harvest Indy West would be a people in a church that oozes compassion, and grace and love for hurting for the glory of God. Father, we love you. Thank you that in spite of our filthiness, that you cared. Lord, I'd ask that you would 
make us a church. Make us a people, your people, Lord. Who have eyes wide open to see hurting people everywhere. I pray that we would have compassion for the hurting, Lord. That we would point them to the hope found in you. Lord, give us the strength and the endurance and the love through your spirit to be that kind of people. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen.